Today's scripture reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 26 through chapter 6, verse 10. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. This fall, we're studying the New Testament book of Galatians, and in the passage that we're looking at today, we see what Jesus can do in a church, the way that he can work among us as, as a congregation to build us together as a community um, through his spirit, through the gospel, the, the way that he forms us into a genuine community, and he really... He, he really does this through two things. He does this through grace, and he does this through truth. First, uh, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14, describes Jesus this way. It says, the one and only Son came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So when Christ is at work, the gospel is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit is moving in a congregation, you're going to see these two things, grace and truth, truth and grace, grace and truth, just transforming our relationships. And so the passage really shows us two, two areas of our life together, two areas of communal life where this can be experienced in a very powerful way. And th these two areas are um, when we're dealing with sin and when we're dealing with um, struggles or burdens, all right? So first, you'll notice that the apostle here, the apostle Paul talks about how we have to deal with sin as a church. And you know what? Every church has to deal with sin, right? Why? Because churches are filled with Christians. Hmm? And Christians are, what are Christians? Christians are sinners saved by grace. So we just, we have to deal with this. And, and here's, here's what we're told in verse 1 of chapter 6. Uh, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And the word caught here, it doesn't mean caught as in busted, like, ah, we caught you sinning. We're not being deputized here to go around as the members of the morality police trying to catch people in sin. It doesn't mean caught that way. The word caught, it's, it's used like when a moth is caught in a spider's web. 
It, the, the word really means to be overtaken by surprise. To be, when, when you, perhaps without even intending, you get stuck in some pattern of sinfulness and you feel like you're trapped and you can't get out. It says when a brother or sister is caught and trapped in sin, um, you, you who live by the Spirit, in other words, any and every Christian, restore them. Now let me ask you, would you agree with this statement? Um, to restore a sinner um, will involve speaking truth to them. Would you agree with that? I mean, how are you going to restore them without speaking truth? So it says restore them, not ignore them, right? So if somebody's caught in some sinful pattern and maybe you have a relationship with them and you know them, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to speak some truth, the truth of Jesus to them. And sometimes um, truth hurts. I wonder if you've ever had somebody had to talk with you about the way that your attitude has, has brought pain into their life or talk with you about some patterns of selfishness that they see in you. Usually it doesn't feel good to hear that kind of communication. It doesn't feel good for me, all right? In fact, the word here that's translated restore, you should restore them, that's the word that they used to use to describe when a doctor um, sets a broken bone or when a doctor would pop you know, a, a dislocated limb back into its socket, and that really hurts, especially before they had anesthesia. I mean, it's describing, it's describing something really painful. Sometimes having someone come and just say, listen, can we talk? I need to talk to you about something that the way I see you speaking to your children or the way I see you treating your wife or the way I see you, there's just patterns of inconsistency. Listen, that's going to hurt. But for restoration to happen, um, truth, the truth of Jesus sometimes need to be spoken. And you see, I think in verse 7 and 8 of, of chapter 6, um, this is kind of modeling for us some, sometimes the kinds of truth that people need to hear. I wonder if you need to hear these words uh, today. Maybe this is the reason God has you here this morning, just to hear these two verses. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now, if, you've, if you're in a pattern today, just all you do is sow to the flesh. You're, you're just living, you're living for life in this world. You need to hear that kind of truth, right, of, you, of, of where, where that's leading. So um, when we deal with sin, when Jesus helps us to do this, he brings truth. We need to be willing to speak truth. But we need more than that, right? Just imagine just living in a place where all we do is walk around and talk about each other's sins to each other. No, we need more than truth. We also need grace. So did you notice verse 1, it, it, it says, um, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. How? Gently. Or it, literally it says, in a spirit of gentleness. We're not to be a community where we go around confronting people harshly or correcting them judgmentally or, you know, constantly badgering people with words of condemnation. No, that's, that's not the kind of community Jesus wants us to be. We, you restore them gently. This week I, I was listening to an interview um, with a, a Catholic priest who has started a, um, 
He started a, an organization in L.A. for rescuing um, members of street gangs, getting them off the streets, former offenders, getting them out of that life, helping them get a job, just kind of re-enter society. And the interviewer asked this man, how do you do that with gang members? How do you, how do you get their, them to change? And that's a really good question because if you think about it, these are, these are all people who come from uh, brutally violent backgrounds. I mean, I would think if you're going to get a guy like that to straighten out, you're going to have to be really, really tough with him because those gang members, they only understand one language. They only understand the language of power, right? So you've got to be tough with them. And so she, she, the interviewer asked him, how do, you, how do you do this with these people? Man, his answer literally stopped me in my tracks. I mean, I'm walking down the street, listening to this podcast, literally stopped, had to rewind. Did he really say that? She said, how do you do this? And he, here's what he said. He said, in our, in our organization, we have sought to create, he said, an, an irresistible culture of tenderness. Tenderness? Yeah. If you've ever had anyone have to confront you with, with, with sin in your life, isn't it so different if they approach you tenderly rather than condescendingly or harshly? I mean, when somebody kind of piles it on harshly, do I just, I get up very defensive, do you? But gentleness, tenderness, it just kind of opens your heart to say, all right, the Holy Spirit wants to work with me. So, Truth and grace. We, we, how do we deal with sin? With truth. But guys, with lots and lots and lots of grace. So this week I was, I was kind of thinking, what would it look like for a, a local congregation to do this? How do we restore people gently? Here's some thoughts I came up with. First, I would say any church that wants to see this happen has to sort of unofficially declare itself to be a gossip-free zone. You know what I mean? Like in our life together as a congregation, we just say, we don't, we don't do that. We don't gossip here. Meaning that whenever, whenever in our interactions together, we, we think about sharing something about someone else that might be unkind or, or, or not positive, we just kind of always stop ourselves and ask this question, is this necessary? And sometimes it might be necessary. Maybe you have to talk to someone who can help with the situation. But very often, you'll say, no, I don't really have to share these details. I don't have to tell this. Have, have you ever had someone gossip about you? Here's, here's why it's so, gossip is so destruction to any, destructive to any community. Um, I, I think gossip is really a form of thievery. When you gossip about someone, what are you doing? You are stealing their community from them. Because someone might conceivably even repent of their sin and, co and, and, and come back to live for, for Christ. And yet they find that their community is gone. Their church is no longer a safe place for them. They have to find somewhere else because everyone knows their business. And so how do we restore gently? First, we just say, no, no gossip here. Secondly, I would suggest we've got to be willing. Would you agree? We've got to be willing to be very, very patient. You know, um, Breaking free from patterns of sin, changing entrenched attitudes that are wrong, that doesn't happen easily. It's never, it's never been easy for me. I mean, it's just, we've got to be patient with each other. Um, again, that, that interview with this priest working with the street gangs, he said that in their organization, they, 
never, ever expect anyone to get out of the gang life on the first try. They just like, it just doesn't work that way. You get them a job, they lose the job. Get them off drugs, they pick up again. You just, it, it, their motto is third time's a charm. It's, gonna, it's never going to catch on the first time. And, and uh, it's not just gang members who need more than one chance. Guys, aren't you glad Jesus doesn't come and say, you know what, I'll give you one chance. I mean, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. We've got to just be very patient with people. Colossians chapter 3 describes the, the way we're to be as Christians. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So you say, well, I don't know if I can be patient with people. I'm running out of patience. You know, here's the amazing thing. Have you experienced this? As Christians, guys, the gospel just gives us amazing resources for being patient with other people in their sin. How, well, how is that? Because the gospel constantly comes and tells us, God, it just says, God will always be patient with you. The, the gospel says to any believer, Jesus Christ took every last one of your sins, every sinful thought, every sinful attitude, everything you've ever done that was wrong, or everything right thing that you failed to do, Jesus took all of that, took it to the cross, paid the full debt of it there, and now, God, for any believer, God just basically comes and dumps a truckload of grace into your lap. And when you've experienced that, you say, man, I got a whole truckload of grace. I can probably share a little bit of grace with my brother, with my sister. So it just, it empowers us to do this. So I, I was like practical suggestions for us. No gossip. Be very patient. One more thing, and th this clearly is seen in the text. Guys, we got to be humble. We got to be humble. The apostle says, um, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And then he says, but watch yourselves. You know, don't think you're all that. Watch yourselves or you also will be tempted. Okay, so we're helping a, we're helping a moth get out of a spider's web. And we got to remember, I'm a moth too. You know, I could get stuck there. I just, it, none of us are immune to falling into sin. Now, you might be thinking, well... I'm helping my friend with this sin. And let me tell you, I would never, ever fall to that sin, ever. Okay. But you might fall to a different one. You might fall to a worse one. What's worse than that? Pride. Spiritual pride is just deadly. So we have to, we have to approach this task of helping each other when we struggle with sin, helping each other with this, this true sense of, of humility. All, all we are on our very best day is just one sinner helping another sinner. I've fallen before, so let me help you when you've fallen. Um, but you see, as we deal with sin, how Jesus comes and helps us, he brings these two things. He brings truth. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. We will never, ever uncover any sin in anyone else's life or in our own that the grace of Christ can't cover. So we're not afraid to speak truth. And yet we do this with so much grace. So the first area where Jesus does this is when we deal with sin. The second is when we deal with our struggles, with our burdens, difficulties. Um, verse 2 of chapter 6 says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And the word that is translated burden here was referring to um, a weight that was 
too, it's just enormous, too big for anyone to carry on their own. All right? And someone will say, well, I've never encountered anything that I couldn't handle on my own. Yeah, right. They say that um, when Muhammad Ali was heavyweight champion of the world, one day he was, he was flying on an airplane, and the flight attendant said to him, Mr. Ali, would you please buckle your seatbelt? And he looked at her and said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And she looked at him and she said, yeah, and Superman doesn't need to fly on airplanes either. Right? So buckle your seatbelt, right? Listen, um, you're not Superman. Neither am I. Even if you were, listen, for every one of us, we will face frequently in our lives times when it's, the burden is just too much. We can't do it on our own. It might be a time of sickness. It might be a time of grief or loss. It, it, it might be um, a season of intense financial need when you just cannot pay the rent. It might be a, t- a time of just overwhelming sorrow. Your heart is broken. You, you, you just need someone to be there. So whenever we are faced with a burden like that, whenever anyone is just situation, it's too much for them to carry. Uh, what, what does someone need? Well, you need other people in your life who will just give you grace, just help you. Have you ever needed that? People who will come and stand alongside you or people who will, who will, who will come and stand with you, people who will pray for you, people who will listen to you, people who will just be there for you. And sometimes they'll be there and help in really practical ways. They will help you pay this bill or they will help you load that moving truck. They'll just help you, right? That's grace. In the, that movie, in the Lord of the Rings, remember little Frodo? What was Frodo? A hobbit, right? He, he has to carry the magic evil ring. That's his one, he's the only one. That's his assignment. He has to carry the ring to the place where he can throw it in the fire and it will be destroyed and the world will be saved. But carrying that ring is so hard because it's so evil. It's just weighs him down and hurts and and so he, you remember he reaches the point where he can't he can't do it anymore he just falls over and then good old sam sam wise right his friend comes and what does he do sam just picks up frodo and he starts to walk and he says mr frodo i cannot carry the ring but i can carry you that's what we need to do for each other there will be times when you say to a brother or sister of christ you know i I can't fix your problem. I can't. But can I carry you in my prayers, carry you with my presence, carry you with my help? That's, so um, we need to give grace. And from, listen, from the very beginning days of Christianity, Christians have been known for being communities of men and women who do this kind of thing for each other. In, uh, it was the year... Um, Around the year A.D. 125, a Greek philosopher uh, named Aristides wrote a report for the Roman emperor Hadrian just to explain to this emperor um, who Christians are and what Christianity is. And this is something that he wrote in his report. He said this, Christians love one another. They never fail to help widows. They save orphans from those who would hurt them. If a man has something, he freely gives to the man who has nothing. If they see a stranger, Christians take him home and are happy as though he were a real brother. 
They don't consider themselves brothers in the usual sense, but brothers instead through the Spirit and in God. And if they hear that one of them is in jail or persecuted for professing the name of their Redeemer, they all give him what he needs. If it's possible, they bail him out. If one of them is poor and there isn't enough food to go around, they fast several days to give him the food he needs. And then he wrote this, this is really a new kind of person. There's something divine in them. So, dealing with sins, you need truth and grace. Dealing with struggles, you need grace. And you also need truth. Um, there, listen, in, for a community be, to be healthy, there, there are healthy boundaries. There are times when you can't, there, there, there will be some times when you need to tell people, I can't help you. There will be other times when you need to tell people, I really shouldn't help you. Not with this. This, this is on you. Now, you see that in, in verse 5. Let me read 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, each one should test their own actions, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Everybody just kind of got to look at your life and don't compare yourself just before God. How are you doing, right? And then verse 5 says, for each one should carry their own load. Now, that sounds like such a contradiction. Like, has Paul lost it? Verse 2, verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens and you'll fulfill the law of Christ. And then in verse 5, he says, ah, each one should carry their own load. So which is it? You know, do we're supposed to help each other or is it everyone for themselves? You know, what's, what's the deal here? Well, you'll notice that they are, they are different words in this translation because they are different words in the original Greek. So the word burden in verse 2, as I said, means a weight that is immense. It is too heavy for anyone to carry on their own. The word load in verse 5 is, well, it had a number of meanings, but this was a word that they would use to describe a soldier's backpack. It's designed to be carried by one person. If you've ever, ever gone hiking uh, on a narrow mountain trail, it's easier for one person to carry a backpack than for two people to try to carry it together. It just doesn't work. It's talking about something that ought to be carried by the individual. So... Um, Whenever any of us is faced with, and it takes wisdom, it takes prayer, help from the Holy Spirit to discern, but whenever any of us is faced with a situation, this is just too heavy. She can't do it on her own. We all carry that burden. But whenever any of us is faced with a situation where we're like, you know what? He should handle this by himself. Then instead of giving grace, we speak truth. And we say, brother, this is on you. Sister, this is on you. You, come on, stand up. you got to do this. Um, years ago in, a, in another church, there was a man who was a member of the congregation, and he had a lot of struggles. And, you know, we all have a lot of struggles. But um, he was struggling disciplining himself to have some time every day reading the word and praying. And so what he wanted for me to do as his pastor was for me to call him every morning at 7, wake him up, and then we would read the Bible and pray together over the phone. And I did not agree to do that, not even once, because it's not my job. Like, I'm not your mom, and I'm not supposed to wake you up. Listen, that's on you, and there will frequently be times where, in an awkward but honest way, we have to speak truth to each other and say, no, this is, this is on you. I, I can't help you with this one. So in, in a healthy community, there are times we, we say, okay, I, I, listen, 
We can pray for you, but we cannot pray your prayers for you. There are prayers you have to pray. God wants to hear them from your lips, right? And, and, and we, we can, if you're going through a hard time, we can point you toward the promises of God in the Bible, but we can't believe the promises for you. You've got to do your own believing. You've got to fight the battle of faith. And we, and we might say, you know, we, we can stand with you in your battle against indwelling sin, but we, we can't fight that battle for you. No, you've got to put on your own armor. You've got to stand your own ground. You've got you to wield your own sword against your own indwelling sin. So um, you see what I'm saying? There, there are times we help. There are times we just, there's times we pour on the grace. Let me help you load that moving truck. But you want me to come do your laundry so you can watch Netflix? No, 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 no. That's on you, right? Just, so there's times when, and, and here's the beautiful thing. You say, oh, why doesn't he give us crystal clear criterion here for, for determining when is it a weight and when is it a load? Because we don't need that. Because the Holy Spirit is here. And if we let him, he will give us discernment. We'll figure it out, right? But um, we deal with, as a community, as Jesus moves among us, he brings us these two powerful tools, grace and truth. That's how we deal with sin. We speak the truth, but oh, man, we pour on the grace. That's how we, we deal with struggles. We are uh, very gracious. We always help, unless when we don't help. <laughs> we speak the truth. So um, you can see why we really need Jesus, don't you? Because <laughs> we can't do this on our own. We can't, we can't do this without him. He is, Jesus is the only son of the father who comes full of grace and truth. Not us. He, in, in Jesus, we find the fullness of grace, the fullness of truth. We need Jesus. And the good news is, we got him, right? Through the gospel, through the spirit, he is here. And you know what? When he's here, it's amazing. I mean, Jesus, talk about restoring sinners. He's the, he's the one who can really restore sinners, right? He can restore you. He can restore anyone. Jesus, uh, you know, and he does it through truth and grace. The very fact that he comes into this world, speaks the truth to us about our sin, just says, you know what, your sin is so bad, you need a savior, right? And the fact that he goes to the cross just points us to this unlimited grace. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, there is a God who stands right now ready to forgive through Jesus. He, he's the one who restores. He's the one, you know what? He's the one who carries, he carries that one burden you could never carry. In fact, all of us together couldn't carry that burden for you. He carries, he carries the burden of your salvation. He comes into this world and he takes the weight of all of your sin, all of your selfishness, all of your greed, all of your unkindness, all of your unbelief, all of that nasty stuff. He takes all of it if you trust him. And he carries that burden to his cross. And it's gone. And then he looks at you and he speaks some truth. He says, if you want to be my disciple, pick up your cross. Follow me. Let's, let's pray together. God, I want to thank you. I, I know that you are already doing in our congregation the things that we read about in this passage and we're so grateful but we want it more so I pray right now over this church that through your Holy Spirit and through your gospel 
you will make us into a community where more and more, where we're seeing this on a weekly basis, sinners being restored, hearing the truth of, about their sin, but not with fear because there's so much grace available for them. People breaking free from patterns of sin that hold them back. God, let that happen here. And, and I pray that we would be more and more a congregation where we bear each other's burdens, but we, we also point each other to carry our own load and, and, and stand with dignity before you. We can't do this without you, Jesus. So do this for us, we pray. In your holy name, amen.